Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. <laughs> Hello there, Josh. How's it going? I'm doing well, thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. We come to you here on the rare Sunday where you haven't been playing football. So I guess you come into this podcast full of the hope and dreams that you would normally go into the football with only to have them smashed up into smithereens pretty quickly and then come into the studio feeling kind of sorry for yourself so it's good to have like peak optimism josh on the podcast for a change well i've watched men in black international last night and we're going to watch moonfall this afternoon tom so uh (laughs) oh damn yeah that is a very good point i i'd like to think though that watching moonfall and Men in Black International, perhaps, are still more enjoyable than getting battered at Sunday League. Not to imply that you always get battered, by the way. I want to make that <laughs> but... very clear. I would never disrespect the institution that is Las Cabras in that way. But you get battered now and then. There's every chance that you could have been battered today had you been playing. The weather outside is grim. It could easily have been a very depressing Sunday morning for you more so than I think watching Moonfall will be although those could be famous last words uh yeah uh I would rather watch a bad film than get battered I would say getting battered is never fun and never what you want no absolutely not you can you know fish can be battered but I draw the line there don't batter anything else yes it's my general <laughs> My general rule. Not even sausages. I tried a battered sausage once. I didn't get it. I don't get it. Not for me. I like a battered sausage. You like battered sausages? Battered sausages. Are there any theme parks where you could get a battered sausage? I I would imagine there probably are. It feels like something that they could sell at a theme park. I guess uh, that is almost a British equivalent of a corn dog, right? Oh, yeah. I guess that's... That is probably the closest point of comparison, actually. You're right. I hadn't thought that. Is a, that it. is a deep-fried thing that is, you know, it's in a corn batter, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, an unnaturally deep-fried piece of food. <laughs> yeah. Is the closest point of comparison there. With a sausage made out of the worst bits of a pig. Or cow. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Speaking about unnaturally assembled foods, I did <laughs> notice that... <laughs> Pastor John's been back at the uh, Universal Orlando parks or Universal Florida parks this past week and has been keeping us up to date with some of his food exploits. As always, I very much appreciated the reminders of the assortment of cookies that are available across the Universal parks. Makes Mm. me feel sort of upset that I haven't had one in so long, but also ups the excitement for my trip in, in, in just a couple of months' time at this point, all being well. But the most unnaturally assembled piece of food that he uh, brought to our attention this past week was of an ever-glazed donut. Cool, yeah, now, that thing. I think you summed it up well, Josh, by saying that, frankly, it's hard to believe there is a donut <laughs> underneath everything that is on top of the donut. I'm still trying to figure out where that donut is, to be honest. It's, uh... <laughs> it's just, I mean, how would you... We'll retweet this photo. In fact, I'll just, you know, I'll do it now uh, while I remember. What do you think is actually on that? And how would you go about eating 
this particular donut. Right, so I'm going to guess there's a do- the donuts underneath covered in like a chocolate uh, sauce sort of thing uh, with some what I would consider some like caramel uh, style flavored uh, chips coating that, uh, and then some like chocolate icing with some Reese's uh, peanut butter cups chopped up on top of that. That sounds potentially accurate. I mean, to me, the sort of little sprinkly bits do just kind of look like something I would give my cat. So this just looks like a very, very indulgent have you, have you fit, ever had a feline caramac, Tom? treat. I have never had a caramac, but am I right in thinking that the caramac came to came back into prominence last year at some point? Did did Dairy Milk uh, make a, cari- a, a caramac? Cadbury, sorry, make a caramac? Yeah, so um, caramac, for those that don't know, is a British thing. It, originally, that was a um, uh, portmanteau of the words caramel and Macintosh, made by the Macintosh company that's now owned by Nestle. Um, and it's basically a caramel-flavoured chocolate bar. Um, and it did come back. They did a special edition caramac Kit Kat, uh, which then meant that Nestle brought back a proper caramel bar, and in response, Cadbury's brought in a um, like a, I think they called it a Cadbury's caramel bar. So it was like dairy milk that had this caramel flavouring in it. Oh, okay. The great yeah. caramel course of twenty twenty one. Yes, the the biggest thing to happen in twenty twenty one. Oh, absolutely. Can't think yeah. of anything else that went down of no, particular pretty boring year overall. Yeah, indeed. But Josh, could we could we already have the biggest news of 2022, which Ooh. is uh, the death knell sounding potentially for, well, I say potentially, almost certainly, very probably for the <laughs> London resort. Is it is it the beginning of the end? Or I mean, have we already had the beginning of the end? Was the announcement of the theme park way back in, what was it, 2012? 2012. Was that actually the beginning of the end? And it's just been a ridiculously long-winded way of getting to the stage where everyone knows for sure that this is not happening. I mean, I guess the optimists out there, Paijibo himself might say, we've kind of been here before. Who would have thought that the project in any form would have survived Paramount pulling out and that kind of thing? I mean, when your London Paramount theme park loses the Paramount part... It's difficult to see a future for it. But they've kept on going. They've kept on going. But at this stage, it does feel more like, you know, a cockroach that keeps surviving a nuclear winter. And maybe eventually <laughs> that cockroach is just going to get trodden on. And it seems like maybe the time has come, Josh. There's been a worrying development this past week if you are looking forward to the London resort, I suppose. What's a, what's a moment? Ten years in the making. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the death, the potential death now here. Uh, the London Resort was looking for more time on their proposals to work on their proposals, and the governing body went jog on. It's uh, <laughs> so have extra time. I mean, it is a bit cheeky. I mean, they, you know, asking for an extension that's something for something that you've taken this long to sort out. Obviously, the the kind of it's funny, isn't it? I feel like was it 
there was a point in 2020, or was it early 2021, where it sounded like the sort of wheels were back in motion in, a, in, the, in the most significant way that they had been for quite some time with the London Resort. We were getting new planning documents. There were public consultations, etc. Yeah. We had the, you know, the news about uh, the planning inspectorate and the fact that an application would be going into them and now that application is is what we've run up against here in terms of what the new issue is so as you say they wanted a bit more time to put that in uh, to the planning inspectorate which is basically you know it's a branch of government in a sense because uh, it's such a big project this isn't something that you only need like the local council's approval for it's <laughs> it's bigger than that of course you know when and if uh, or when this becomes a housing estate as you have long suspected i think at that point then it's just the council. Yeah, I think it's there was a big, big pro- progression was made, and then the um, SSSI came in and uh, really, yeah. really knocked the wind out of the sails. Blimmin' hippies, trying to save the spiders. They should tell those spiders. They should rock up and say, "Hey, spider man, there's no way home. Get out." You know what I mean? I guess instead they're having uh, more of a homecoming. I guess so. But yeah, uh, I mean, the full quote, just uh, for posterity from the planning inspector, we might not get many more of these, you know. I feel like we should read all of them out. (laughs) (laughs) You never know what might be the last London Resort-related statement from someone vaguely important. They'll they'll keep trying to, like, go with it until eventually, uh, like, until the first house starts getting built, PY will still be going, no, no, it's coming. (laughs) Yeah. Even when the houses have gone up, Pajero <laughs> will be sort of like, look, 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 I don't want to totally rule this out. I mean, it's the equivalent of, you know, it, eventually it seems pretty apparent that we're going to get a photo of Boris Johnson at one of these lockdown parties, you know, down in a pint with a piece of cake in the other hand. And he will <laughs> still somehow come out and be like, look, 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 we need to wait for the full investigation. <laughs> <laughs> to know for sure whether I was at this party and if the party was was wrong in any way. Now, I appreciate you have a photo of a very illegal party and me at that party, but we can't be sure. And I think Pi is going to be, you know, as you say, uh, similarly inclined to defend the the plans for as long as he can. But, I mean, this statement from the planning inspector, they may as well have just said... This is a bloody mess, because they say (laughs) it appears that effective engagement between the London Resort and the relevant statutory bodies has all but ceased. They're not even picking the phone up, and they're not even taking our calls. We keep asking them, how's it going, how's it going? You you reckon you're going to get this in any time soon? We don't even get an answer. Don't even have an out-of-office on. Doesn't even have an out-of-office on. That's the stage we're at. They then say there must now be very considerable doubt as to whether important and relevant matters bearing substantially on traffic, transport, shipping, ports, water utilities and the natural environment can feasibly be addressed in a timescale through an examination commencing in July 2022. I mean, that is a long list of issues that are seemingly completely unsolved. It you feels know, that way, right? There's been no progress on relevant matters such as all of the matters. <laughs> <laughs> basically where we're at you know we we have a quote from a london resort spokesman who 
just says we are looking forward to the preliminary meeting in March and to bringing the first next generation theme park to the UK. Um, reckon he's deluded there, the spokesman. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, the spokesman I... is probably P. Y. Jabot. You know, he's the director, he's the planning man, he's the spokesman. He does the newsletter. It's just him in his bedroom doing it all. He wrote the theme tune, sang the theme tune. <laughs> is this happening, Josh? What's going on? What, what do you think the no. next the next update will be on this? Uh, I guess that there'll be one in March, in theory, if that meeting actually happens. Right? I I, I still I still can't believe that the um, you know Michael Gove hasn't come out and said you know as part of our leveling up like program we're proving. <laughs> London Resort for the downtrodden yeah. regions of southeast England. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, we totally appreciate that people in the north are struggling to heat their homes right now. Some of them could do with some new schools, that kind of thing. But, but we've taken everything into account and we think we should really be prioritising a big theme park outside London. Thought Park's just not cutting it. For the theme park just, fan communities of the southeast, and this government is true. determined to fix this. Yes, the uh, the theme parks of uh, Ch- Thorpe Park, Chessington, uh, and not far off Winds- Legoland, Windsor, are just not cutting it for the south. But uh, absolutely not. I mean, the north have got Alton Towers, Josh. I don't know what they're complaining what about. Leveling yeah. up. They've got the best theme park already. We need we need a good one. Come on, come on. Leveling up. Nonsense. Once again, our southerners being forgotten. I've had nothing. Left behind. Left behind. Well, I guess in a, in a sense, actually, uh, given that the the main obstacle to the to the to the park making much progress in the last few months has been this SSSI. Uh, these environmental concerns, environmental concerns, not just impacting theme parks that are yet to be built. Of course, Josh, uh, we learnt this week that they could well be impacting theme parks that have long stood. And uh, mm. in the case of Efteling in the Netherlands, which this year celebrates, I think it's its seventieth anniversary, and has only just reopened from uh, the uh, tough COVID rules that were in place over the last few months of last year and into the beginning of this year. Uh, they're now being told uh, that they may soon face a permanent cap on attendance because they haven't done enough to limit uh, emissions. And, you know, if you're Efteling, you're probably thinking, oh, look, just let us enjoy the 70th first, for God's sake. You know, why do you have to bring this up now? But uh, it is it is what it is. And, and I guess it's all, by the way, on the assumption that Efteling gets back to kind of pre-pandemic attendance levels in the first place because they saw obviously massively reduced footfall in 2020 and 2021. Before that, they would see around, I think, according to this article on Theme Park Insider, uh, 5.4 million visitors a year uh, is what they managed in 2018 and 2019, down to 2.9 in 2020. And I'd imagine it was similar, uh, if not worse, in 2021. So I don't think it's the last couple of years that they're concerned about in terms of too many emissions coming from this theme park. But broadly speaking, um, it feels like they're going to have to 
act on this in some way. Uh, a Dutch court has ruled that five million could be the cap, which of course is below what that park would um, have expected to attract in a normal year. I can't think of any yeah. other examples of this kind of thing happening to a major theme um, park. Not particularly. Obviously, you have um, like sound pollution rights over here that we've spoken about before. Um, I get that that's sort of in place everywhere, but yeah, this seems um, quite impressive. But you know, you look at it. You got obviously you got the national park across the road, which has got forests and sand dunes that are being affected by the emissions from people travelling to the theme park. Um, you can get the only way to get there by public transport is to get a bus from the local train station, which is um, or from the nearest train station, which is in. Uh, the local village um and it's a similar problem we have over here with our theme parks you know it's a it's just in a location that is not necessarily easily accessible um and so you have they then have these rather large car parks uh where a lot of cars which are polluting then drive to um if they could improve the links then maybe less people would drive who knows yeah, that's a good point, actually, and I come to think of it, I have on a couple of occasions over the last couple of years put in some very preliminary work into a potential short Netherlands trip because you can go on the Eurostar, it's fairly easy to do it at quite short notice, and obviously being a theme park weirdo, it would be remiss <laughs> of me to go there and not try and get to Efteling. And uh, I remember I tried to plan this trip in March 2020 as a late replacement for Japan and then everything went to hell and then I was also looking into doing it last November and once again it was just before everything went to hell so neither of those trips obviously went anywhere but I was struck when I was looking into how I would plan the trip and manage my time uh, was that getting to Efteling actually was kind of a ball ache from uh, both Amsterdam and Rotterdam and Liverpool you know, those, and Rome. <clears throat> yeah, those were the uh, two cities that I was, you know, looking at maybe making my base. And yeah. uh, and neither of them were particularly conducive to getting to Efteling without a car uh, in a particularly efficient way. But obviously getting there by car isn't going to help with these uh, pollution targets that they've been asked to kind of comply with or at least show... I mean, it's the kind of, the kind of demand that's been made of the theme park is one that they could... You get the impression they could kind of like, um, like BS their way through. I mean, they've specifically been asked to basically demonstrate or prove that they are taking it seriously and have a plan in place to limit emissions. It's not like they're asking for sort of cold hard proof of what what they've done or the fact that it's not as bad now. It's kind of like prove prove that you're thinking about it, you know. Um, 10 weeks though, so not a lot of time to get those plans in place. No, not at all. That's a, uh, I mean, they've got more time than the London Resort at least to, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. To get their house in order. So that's something. But obviously, this is quite uh, contradictory to some of the other Efteling news that we've had recently. Obviously, the big reopening, which was meant to be a moment of celebration because it coincided with their 70th anniversary. But then also they did announce some expansion plans a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, new rides, new hotels. Obviously, you would have to imagine that those could be compromised in some way. 
by oh yeah for sure by this so we'll have to wait and see but uh you know i guess that will just increase the competition that we face to go to efteling at some point josh we we have to be we can only be two of the 5 million who go there in a year not two of the 5.8 or 5.7 million that that used to go yeah that's probably not a bad i mean as a, from a visitor standpoint that's probably not a bad thing right Less less people in the park, but then maybe that's, they that's cut back on things, which would be a shame. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind a capacity cap at Disney World based on everything I'm seeing from those parks at the moment. They all look absolutely ramo all the time. Yep. Which, uh, yeah, is, is creating a kind of interesting contrast in how I feel about the upcoming trip. There's kind of an excitement tempered by a an almost fear of quite how mental it has the potential to be. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that. Of course, Efteling, we were thinking, would be part of a sort of grander park cross European road trip. What about Northern Ireland, Josh? Would you go over to Northern Ireland to look at some Game of Thrones props and sets or, or... at this point, do you just not ever want to be reminded that Game of Thrones was even a thing? I do not think about Game of Thrones, like, ever. Uh, no, I I regularly forget that it's a thing, and then something reminds me like this, and I go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Um, yeah, uh, I, I want to go to Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland is on the list. So is uh, the Republic of... Um, so yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm in the area, I might as well go to the Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. So when you say they're on the list, is that just for general travel purposes, or are they like uh, is this specifically for theme parks? <laughs> general travel, but also um, you have Tato Land in the in the Republic. Ah, yes, uh, Tato Land, which uh, yeah, I I want to go to. That, that looks like it could be quite fun. A mm. theme park all about crisps, beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this seems like, you know, very heavily inspired by how well the Harry Potter studio tour has done here. Uh, that thing was, it's hard, to, oh, easy to forget, rather, that that was designed to be a temporary attraction. And obviously it was been so popular that it's uh, stayed there and is regularly updated and has themed events for the seasons and it's great. I loved it when I was there. I thought it was fantastic, both as a sort of, you know, Harry Potter fan, but also just someone who's kind of fascinated by how movies get made, especially on that scale. And yep. when it comes to Harry Potter in particular, something that a lot of blockbusters lose sight of now is is sets and sort of production design and location shooting and operating with real practical stuff and those harry potter films i mean there's so much there that you can really touch and 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 smell and and take pictures with in a way that you know you probably wouldn't be able to do if you rocked up at a set for one of the more recent marvel films you'd probably spend at least half your time just standing in a big blue room so i uh i do appreciate that the uh the harry potter films were still of a time where there was plenty of real uh, real props and real sets. And that's why that studio tour is so much fun. And they'll be hoping that the Game of Thrones one kind of captures some of that magic. 
and will be good for the local area as well because obviously they filmed most of Game of Thrones in Northern Ireland and uh, it was pretty amazing for the economy so mm. I, I don't see this doing the numbers well clearly not going to do the numbers of Harry Potter but no. um, whether it can do the numbers to stay a thing for long enough for it to be you know viable I'm not I'm not 100% on that either yeah, it will be interesting. I, I, I have to imagine it will, it will suffer for how Game of Thrones is perceived, especially by the masses. Like, I'm sure you still have your hardcore, dedicated fans, but, man, that last season in particular was just so sort of bad, and, and that was kind of the widespread opinion, the mainstream opinion, was that the final season of Game of Thrones was a massive letdown. And because there's been nothing since then to revive the brand, really. You know, there's no sign of the books emerging anytime soon. They do have that prequel TV series, but it's not come out yet. And it's, I've compared it before, I think, to Star Wars in that Star Wars, the main saga, as they were billing it, the Skywalker saga or whatever, ended pretty disastrously. But in the aftermath of that, Disney were able to kind of jangle some Mandalorian-shaped keys at us. Like, oh, yeah, look, look over here, look over here. Don't look don't look at the car crash. Look, there's a baby Yoda, there's a baby Yoda. And everyone was like, oh. Yeah. And then kind of instantly, it kind of helped people move on from the train wreck of Rise of Skywalker. And, and, and it was okay to like Star Wars again pretty much straight away. Whereas with this, it's like, well, Game of Thrones Season 8 was really terrible. And what is it, almost... Three years later, that is still the most recent Game of Thrones thing. Like, it left a bad taste in the mouth, and there's been nothing to wash it away in the same way that there has been for Star Wars. So, I'm sure that will impact interest in this as well. But I still want to check it out for the same reasons that, or some of the same reasons that I wanted to check out the Harry Potter one, which was just all the work that goes into making that show must have been pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's been a lot of mainstream coverage of it this week, so uh, it's very easy to find um, some good pictures and video and get an idea of what's going on there. Now, I wanted to end, Josh, on, well, I, I said earlier, you know, there's a mix of excitement <laughs> and trepidation about my upcoming trip to Florida for various yeah. reasons. I've been given another reason to feel a little unsure about things. They're changing the signs. They're changing yep. the, the road signs in Disney World. They're not purple anymore. It's nothing sacred. How long until the lampposts change colour, Josh? Uh, I would say not long. Um, I mean, that would be like Arsenal suddenly deciding to play in white. You know what I mean? You can't, <laughs> who would, you can't who would just do that? Ch- change the lampposts at Disney. I mean... That's when you know you're you're safe and nothing can hurt you. When you're within the purple lampposts and see the purple signage everywhere. I mean, ugh. you just have to look out for the blue signage now, Tom. Well, they say they've changed the blue signage uh, to represent the anniversary. I reckon the blue paint's just cheaper, Josh. That's clearly the real motivation for this. They they had some left from uh, doing the roof of the castle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
I don't know. I, I had a soft spot for the purple signs. I I mean, they've always been there. They've always been there. You know, one of my... It's one of the things I look out for when I get to Florida. You know, driving from the airport to the house or whatever. It's the purple It's the purple lampposts. It's the purple signs. It's how you know you've arrived. In a way, it's all going to be different. What's going on? What's your favourite Florida signage? I like the uh, uh, Moving Tower of Terror one. The Moving Tower of Terror one is probably my favourite and has been forever. Um, I, I, my favourite park at Disney World and my favourite ride. So yeah, it's uh, I do get excited over here. Obviously, we don't have... And none of the parks over here have specific uh, coloured signs, but we do have the brown attraction signs. And seeing those for Alton Towers or Thorpe Park always... Or uh, Port Lim, for example, always gets me excited. Uh, would you paint all the signs brown then? Is that, would that be, I mean, we've spoken before about you running for office. What would your election platform must be, uh, might be? Uh, I think get rid of alternative lines was one and now make all the signs brown. Is that is that another position that you might be able to take to get elected? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's make an attraction all... in my in my yeah. country. All signs that say 10 Downing Street will be brown because that is a circus. Uh, <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Was that unrehearsed? That felt rehearsed. If not, that was very good. But I just came up with that off the top of my head. A, there's a fight on for the title of this week's episode. That's all I can say. <laughs> and uh, I'd make all the uh, signs uh, leading out of the country green like fire escape signs. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably quite appropriate as well. Uh, I mean, it, it's funny uh, until you realise, oh, we live here. <laughs> uh, yeah, well. So it's good, in a way, to be able to escape from all this at times and go and watch something like Moonfall. You know, sit in a dark room for two and a bit hours and uh, watch something watch truly... Watch film about the world ending. Uh, exactly, exactly. So... Uh, we leave you with that thought, listeners. We are heading off soon to watch Moonfall. I guess we'll report back next week. Moonfall, on the face of it... I mean, Moonfall does kind of sound like a theme park attraction. Maybe one that wouldn't necessarily have been based on anything. Just a generic name for, like, a theme park ride. Moonfall, you know? You call it yeah. roller coaster Moonfall or, like, a simulator ride or something. We look back... Uh, look back? Look forward to reporting look back on, on Moonfall next week. In the meantime, you can get in touch with the show on Twitter at Parkrush Podcast or by email podcast at parkrush.com. And of course, if you haven't subscribed to the show already, you can do so on your preferred podcasting app of choice. We'll see you next week, everybody. Have a good one and stay safe out there. Goodbye. Goodbye.